Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Today I'm with a member of the Flatbush Zombies. You've seen him on The Breakfast Club, The Therapy Gecko. Um, he's been on um, Nardwar as well, which is it's always exciting to have a guest who's been on Nardwar. Um, he recently, in the past couple months, has dropped a, dropped a song with James Blake, gearing up for his new album. Uh, it's my pleasure. And he's also been on uh, um, Travis Thompson and Jake One's latest project as well. It's my pleasure to have on Eric, the architect. Yes, sir. It is. It is I. It is I. How's it going, brother? It's going great, man. It's crazy. You're like, do you do you know what Spinrilla is by any chance? Uh, yeah. So that's like the website with the mixtapes and stuff, right? Yes. So unfortunately, I think it was either this year or last year, it like filed in for bankruptcy because of illegally having music <laughs> but but i think that's what mixtapes are kind of all about so r.i.p to them but yeah r.i.p <laughs> with, with that back in like 20 i'd say like 2014 i discovered clock clockwork indigo and mm -hmm. i had never even heard of flatbush zombies at that point so it, it was mm -hmm. interesting to have that mindset like going in following like it's like you guys have only dropped like one collaboration album i think under yeah. clockwork indigo so it's interesting as like a fan to come in for something so niche and not even know anything else existed. Mm -hmm. So, so with that, like how, how long into your career was clockwork and to go even found it? Um, wow. So clockwork and to go came out with, I didn't release an album. We didn't do. So 2016, we released a lace odyssey 3001 mm -hmm. as flapper zombies. Um, but we all clockwork indigo. So it was Issa, AK, Eric, Meech, Juice. We all lived in the same building. And once we finished Better Off Dead, uh, there were songs that I was creating with them pretty organically. Like me and Meech lived in the same house. Mm. AK and Issa live next door. Uh, they were like our, we're almost like roommates because we would just leave both the doors open and we could walk like that to each other's houses mm -hmm. and juice lived downstairs so we had already released better off dead and drugs um as a group before we did clockwork indigo and i already had put out a bunch of stuff like almost remembered in 2011 i put out stuff in 2010 as like a solo artist mm -hmm. um so yeah that was like kind of in between that and making our first album is when we did clockwork indigo that's wild that's like one of the first like if you I guess you can consider that like an underground type mixtape. That was the first thing I really discovered on my own. That type of like something that wasn't really mainstream at that moment. So it sure. really is like a full circle moment to like be be talking with you. And I yeah, I personally didn't know until like doing more research too. And congrats on like how fucking amazing of a producer you are. I had no idea that you were like the main producer for everything. The yeah. like um Still, I I'd say Butterfly Effect is still like one of my favorite just beats in general. That's Bro. how did how because there's like you like start sampling like three or four different things in that song alone. Like how did it's so? Uh, I know that's almost I'm, like ten years old now, but like how did that even, how did that even come to be? Bro, that is like I'm so happy you said that because that has to be one of my favorite beats. Um, I was actually ranting the other day to a bunch of people about like uh, the difference between production and beat making. Mm -hmm. I was like, that record really flex the production uh, muscle that I was trying to really like do at the time. And I think that I hadn't made a record that involved so many people until that song. You know, you had all five of us as MCs, mm -hmm. 
Uh, you had Espa was also also singing. I sang with her. Um, my other friend Jod Knight was on keys. Um, obviously, I flipped the sample, so it was it was quite man that that whole process really took a lot of people's energy, time, and effort and trust in me mm-hmm. because uh, it was like essentially the same beat over and over again. And usually that means that like you grow ear fatigue or, you know, you have to put enough switch ups and something to be interesting mm-hmm. to hear something that long. So that was like a real test for me because the song is quite long, but I, I, I didn't want it to end, you know, um, yeah. man, it's it literally one of my favorite productions. I'm so happy you said that because, because it never reached DSPs, a lot of people still don't know about the record. Wow. Um, but that's kind of what makes it cool too, because you got people who are like, day ones or they might have found found me like like you did mm-hmm. through the song so yeah like i'm so happy man that's that's one of my favorites easily and you fuck you started the song off too like you were like the yeah. first word that, that's just crazy like to, for because sometimes i'm i'm on, I'm, I'm only 22 so like i'm still like i'm young enough where like by 10 i didn't i've i heard about like at 10 i heard more about andre 3000 before i even heard about outcast so like at 10 i'm being like oh shit he's in this duo like that's a crazy mindset to have to like (laughs) discover one of the biggest duos in the world after someone's solo music coming out that's just the age gap yeah it's just it's uh if if you were 32 i'd be like what the fuck what 22 (laughs) it makes sense but it's interesting but for like so for you did you start out as a solo artist or did you start out in a group because i always wonder how easy or difficult it is for like an artist who either wants to break off from a group or what to get their name, um, like recognition for their solo work as well. Yeah. I was a solo artist for a long time. That was, uh, when I was introduced to music, I was rapping first and, um, I would, in high school, I was like 15 or 16. I joined a group in high school and I kind of kicked off like my, interest to like making beats mm-hmm. uh, so i'd make beats for us and stuff another homie in the group too used to make beats and once i graduated from high school i went to college and i started to pursue things on my own um and yeah bro by like 2011 i was putting out a lot of shit um still people tell me to this day that that's like some of their favorite stuff just because it's like more low-key mm-hmm. and um they're like little easter eggs because a lot of people weren't, they were tapped in. I would say that Flatbush Zombies exposure at the beginning, a lot of people didn't know I was in the group because um, I wasn't in the videos all the time. I wasn't right. on all the songs, but I was just trying to do something that I thought matched my energy at the time. And for me, making beats and, and writing these songs with these guys was really my motive, but it did make people kind of forget that I was a solo artist beforehand. Um, even though I would pop out and do instrumentals or, do little offerings on a song. I did two, 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 stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like those songs would help really like pull everything together and be like, Oh, this dude does do stuff by himself. But I was always a solo artist for sure. Got it. So you're pretty good at like juggling that now at this point. Yeah, I'd say so. That's fucking mm-hmm. awesome. Like you, you literally just landed a, the feature on the jungle album. That shit was crazy. Yeah, man. Shout out to them, man. Like I've been working with Lydia from jungle. Um, for some years now so it was really crazy to actually link with the entire band but uh they're great people i just performed with them at the at the forum in inglewood yeah um, i saw your i saw your instagram videos that shit look crazy bro oh my god that song makes so people so so many people so happy 
and um just to it's surreal to me you know because mm-hmm. most people by this time of their career are probably like not elevating mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean so it's like interesting that I'm grateful I'm blessed that you know God has given me the ability to continue to champion and to and to push beyond maybe like where I was a couple of years ago um yeah. so the features have been really helpful um people starting to see me in a light that I've I've always wanted to be seen in actually yeah you've got some crazy and I feel like yeah you definitely go out there like out of your way with some of these like oh what's that one guy's name that's like a loyal or something like the the yeah like, loyal corner yeah like it seems like you when you do decide to like bring people onto your projects or like you work with other people it seems like you're finding like cool people that like may seem niche but have a huge following inside that niche so that's a cool thing that i've noticed you do yeah bro that's probably just the producer in me man Mm -hmm. i haven't i haven't been producing as much since i started to release a lot of stuff alone but i think that it's more interesting to familiarize me with people who have their own thing that are maybe not um I don't purposely do it, but I look for the talent first. Mm-hmm. And then I'll click to see how much followers and shit they have. I don't really care about like, I don't care about that more than I care about the ethics of the music and what the message is. And I think that over time, you're able to do that. It's like A&R and you know what I'm saying? You might see somebody the 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 very beginning of their career, the baby stage, you know, maybe like the first one or two years and I'm seeing the potential then. Like this person is going to really pop off. I always try to make sure I reach out to artists um, when I discover them and not like, uh, like he probably is too, whatever, or I'm bigger than him. Let me not hit him up. Like right. my ego doesn't get involved in that, especially cause like this person, if I'm right, this person is going to really do something big and I want to be sure to like reach out to them before they think I'm just, just riding a wave. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause I guess you could say your music kind of came up like in the internet era. So you probably mm-hmm. are used to being open to like talking to people online about like new music and shit. Yeah, for sure. I would say right before um, when Spotify and Apple Music became the means of how everybody like discovered music, mm-hmm. I was releasing music on YouTube and shit. That was just the way you just put your shit online and send it out to people. Like there was no like social media format really to like push and, you know, we had Twitter, but it wasn't like so important. Yeah. X, whatever the fuck you call Fucking it. Fucking X, um, yeah. <laughs> RIP, I guess, but um, yeah, it was a different time, and I think that now we we have all these different platforms to push our our music, and independency gives you the freedom to um, be able to use that and not be at the at the leisure of someone else. Mm-hmm. Or, um, you know, uh, I've been independent this whole time, still using the internet, and you know, watching guys like Soldier Boy and shit like that use the internet. You know, growing up was mad inspiring. Like this dude is just like releases so much shit on the internet and regardless if you liked it or not, people yeah. were clicking it and people learned about monetizing and how to make money from um, people just being interested in what you, what you look like and um, what you got to say today. And now to see where it's enveloped into, is kind of wild. You know, I've been around for that long to see that change. For sure. So are the zombies part of a label and you're independent or how is that? Nah, we all wow. very independent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's crazy shit. This that, whole time. <laughs> damn. So what is this? What do you think? Is it just because you were able to focus on building that community aspect? Do you think that's really what helped you guys? Or what is like, what would yeah. be your advice for um, independent I don't artists? think we've ever received 
nor myself, nor the group, we've never received any uh, real cosign. It was never like, well, this big bro put us under, like, yo, come over here and come with us. It mm. was always by ourselves. And I think that we spoke to our, a regime of people who were just feeling like they didn't belong. And um, it's powerful when you can make something that impacts people that look like you and the people who are the opposite of what you look like. And music is a universal language, you know, so we're part of a consciousness that most people um, feel, I say, I think, I think they identify with maybe some of the, the values of what the group means. Um, so it became easier for us to, to, for like, if you're a fan of me, you're a fan of us, however you want to cut it up, it probably means you're a certain type of person, hmm. you know, as of right now, I think that, a lot of the music I released uh, by myself has demonstrated a lot of my production and maybe like the last project future proof I did uh, was quite, um, you know, I released it during COVID. So a lot of people actually needed that to latch onto mm-hmm. um, let it go did really well. Fuck and yeah, that, I song, that song, I mean, bro, like I never really thought it, recording that song that it would be like so popular, you know, um, I, I never, I've performed it on tour my tour the end of uh, last year and i performed it in in london with loyal Carner. so it was like i've only performed it maybe like 10 times at, at most or something like that um and it's crazy to see how much it can impact people and i realized the message of what i was saying is actually bigger than just a song on the internet you know and i think culture and, and um togetherness and and community those are all built around things that we all could relate to and feel. And I, I don't mm. know if every artist is providing that, you know what I'm saying? Like so much of this is so insular to me, but at the same time, that same vulnerability can allow somebody else to feel comfortable in their own skin, you know? Right. Do you think your music versus uh, the zombies music attract different type of people or do you think it all blends together? Um, I think from what people have heard already, um, it's probably a similar bucket, but I think that my new album will attract uh especially my next single will attract um a different fan base i think that we've garnished um a pretty cult following but i think that my music alone is a little bit more about myself and um you know i made it quite clear in our music that i don't do psychedelics and um other guys are more (laughs) into that stuff i'm just a weird dude i could just mold to any anything i just it's like magic to me i just love i I love a challenge so i would always be willing to um to be the canvas maker you know what i'm saying so yeah i I think right now it's it's in a transitional moment of you know um the fan base but i think that all the features i've done have really brought a lot of new people to to my page and um learning about who i am for sure so do you think like the, that Breakfast Club interview made people think you guys were really into psychedelics, or is that already kind of like a stereotype that you guys had on your <laughs> back that you guys are? People were already like these dudes are weird. Um, I think that our name makes people think alone that we're like a rock band or some shit, or like we're not from the hood. And mm-hmm. I'm like, nah, bro. Like I'm from like 31st Street, Fleece Flatbush. I'm like in the heart of one of the most like. Uh, Caribbean populated areas in New York City and maybe the world. It, New York alone is just a melting pot of people, but people had never heard the type of stuff that we were saying from our neighborhood, you know, mm-hmm. and no one, to my knowledge, has really 
taken their neighborhood name and put it in their band's name. Right. And then we are actually a band because you have a producer that makes all the music, you know, there's rap groups, which is dope. But the uh, only thing that separates a band from a group is like, well, do we outsource all of our music to another person or does a member of this group make all the music? Mm-hmm. You know, much like to me, like what Pharrell was to the clips, yeah. you know, it's like when he was there, there was a different vibe they had with the music. Um, and to me, that was what bands are. And something like that was really inspiring to me to see somebody like be responsible for the sound and curating it, you know. For sure. It is wild because I, I rewatched that Breakfast Club interview because I was like, what? That was 2016 or 2017. It was. Yeah, it was a minute ago. But I forgot. I didn't realize that I had already watched that when it first came out. So I'm <laughs> so that's probably like I think it's like nine years old now or something. So yeah. even as a listener for like me, like for the past 10 years, I've thought of you guys doing psychedelics because of that interview so it's it's interesting how um that's what's so cool about podcasts is that they're kind of like time capsules for for better or for worse you know Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. maybe it's also because you guys do talk a lot about um and even with the 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 title um clockwork indigo like like indigo children and star seeds and i'm pretty sure you guys are pretty into that stuff right for sure i mean they introduced that really to me because you know i think that i was more um I grew up in church. So, and actually Juice's grandmother is a, uh, is a, is a, is a pastor. Nice. So like we had a lot in common growing up in the same neighborhood, but we all introduced to different shit. And I think that like psychedelics introduced, um, more existential thoughts. Uh, and because I didn't do them, it was like, I never really watched in judgment. I was just an observer and I'm good at that. So I was just like, what the fuck is this? And we're like reading all these weird books and just studying and like trying to find out what inner light is. And like, you know, it was deeper than just some guys taking acid to me. Um, and I didn't live in judgment, you know? So when I learned about Indigo Children, even the song 222 that I did, you know, it, it I didn't realize the impact of what I was really uncovering. You know, it was like just a number at the time. It was, I just hit save on a file and I typed in 222. I think that was the time it was mm-hmm. when I saved it. And then this number followed me around till right now, you know, and I drew this picture, drew the the, the triangle and I'd put twos, 222 inside the triangle. And then people like, yo, that's like perfect that's like exactly what i see and when i think of when i hear the song it's like duality and balance and change and like i'm like what the fuck like i I don't even know how i discovered that Mm -hmm. and people thought it was a lot deeper than it really was to me because it just came to me and i almost feel like any great idea any genius idea that comes to you is because it naturally it naturally finds you you don't you know i don't think i wake up and think genius ideas It's, it's something that comes from your effortlessness you know the effortlessness that's achieved by you working on something every day and caring so much you know so things yeah, like that i like that indigos and and all bro all that shit was such a mystery to me man and um it was really all the guys that had put me on to all that knowledge um yeah and that that's kind of how I, I i came apart you know especially because they were already like doing acid and mushrooms and 
all this kind of shit. And I'm just like, yo, bro, like if I do that stuff, I think I'm going to lose my mind because I'm already out there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Look at the shit I'm wearing. Like I'm ready in outer space, bro. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Can you break down for people who don't know, like, like what an indigo child is and what a star seed is and how they may relate, but how they're also kind of different? Um, I would say, and the definition can obviously change depending on, I would say a generation of you saying indigo children, much like my friends underachievers, they say mm-hmm. we're indigo children. Um, basically, I look at how we adopt our information from our parents. You know, they obviously, the DNA, the blood that created us is the generation before us. And we have obviously millennials and Gen Z and Gen X and all that shit. I think indigo children are definitely, um, it's it's dicey, bro. It's almost like saying like, we're a part of this elite out of mind thinking uh, group of people who've already, who've already walked this path already. And we're kind of aware that we're already special and if you're tapped into your ability and your knowledge from your existence in your life now, it means kind of like that you risk, you already walked this path before. Um, and your consciousness is attached to other people who have the same thought. So all of us are part of a universal consciousness that speak uh, together and almost like uh, from your third eye. So it's beyond physical it's literally spiritual and emotional is no longer present here on earth it's it's beyond us um and i think that this has existed for longer than we really understand just because we rapped about it or uh you say something is predestined or mm-hmm. that you believe that it can become you can be whatever you want you know you hear that shit as a kid but this is like the actual recognition that we can um and you share that experience and understanding that feeling with other people through this consciousness that's like invisible. Um, I don't know if that helps explain it, but it's it's extremely no, sure. um it's a potent it's a potent topic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then and then star seeds. I feel like I feel like star seeds is the thing where anyone could be a star seed or no. Mm. I feel like indigo because basically I forget it was probably three years ago. I um I created a second podcast called the BBC podcast, which is a pun, mm-hmm. but also it stands for like, my name is Blake Burton and my co-host for that is Brian Barnett. So it's, we both have the same initials. So it's like Blake Burton and Brian Barnett conspiracies. And one of okay. the first episodes we did was um, Star Seeds and Indigo Children. Mm-hmm. And I think, were you guys like on a vice thing about Star Seeds or something? You were either Possibly. on a vice thing or like a, just a tour video on tour or something. I could have sworn I saw mm-hmm. something. I'm thinking I'm going to look at look at it afterwards. It might have been something that Meech and Issa was on. I think I'm, okay. if I remember it might if I if I I think so. But that got me yeah. like me and Brian into like wanting to do like more deep dive into Indigo Children and Star Seeds, and I forget which one I felt like I felt like one of them was kind of hard to relate to people because mm-hmm. how. I interpreted it was anyone could be it versus I, when you were describing an indigo child, it seems like that's kind of predestined versus so yeah. what, what is the definition of starseed again? 
Um, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> I couldn't tell you. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I'm just yeah, trying to learn you. stuff. Like I, the my role in that in that other podcast is like I'm more of like the the skeptic on that, but I try to mm. figure things out. Like someone gave me like watching with a magnifying glass, like yeah, a hundred percent. Like I got like a someone gave me an amethyst, and I have no idea what that is, but I put it on my windowsill and. Hopefully it gives me good luckers. I have no idea what the fuck yeah. any of that stuff is. Or like, it's like to charge it. Yeah. Oh shit. You know Maybe I. Oh my god. I guess I am charging a crystal without even realizing it. Yeah, you got it in your window with the direct sunlight. It's definitely charging. That's hilarious. I didn't even think about that. What the fuck? Yeah. I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I had it charging for like two years and shit on my window. So. Oh my god. Wow. That's hilarious. But back on back on back on track. So you, so the zombies have been working with James Blake, and you recently recently released a song with them called Parkour. So, how, how did that relationship come to be? Um, bro, I've known him. I moved to LA four years ago. Um, bro, I've been a fan of James Blake since. Bro, like I told him, I told him this recently. I was like, man, you've done some amazing shit. I really got into dubstep when um I used to go to I used to go to like these parties in Williamsburg when I was in college and me and my friend actually my friend Sam um he's my DJ at the time we we were really into all that shit Starkey and like fucking like bro like uh Mux Mool and it was a really like interesting scene that was going on in Brooklyn where people were making these beats that were like off time mm -hmm. with these crazy scents and that's when I discovered James Blake. And James Blake at the time was making shit like that, you know? So when I when I would hear what he formed into where he was more vocalizing and using his voice as chops with dubstep. And then, you know, um, actually his most recent album, I think he's getting back to kind of the grassroots that made him, which is so funny because some people's like, this is different. I'm like, this is actually just vintage James Blake. Yeah. But anyway, that's something else. Have um, you listened to it yet? I, I did. It's sick. I've only listened and, to a few. I haven't listened to it completely front to back, but I need to. I, I like Big Hammer so far, but I like Big like, Hammer is crazy. Yeah. Like he's and some people, you know, like he said, he's like um, people won't understand this if they just jumped on his journey. But I think what he's done um, allows him to have the freedom to do shit like that because people respect him um, so much now, and I think that he's been making quality music for such a long time that what he touches, people know literally is like certified. You know, mm -hmm. so. All these things were things that I was aware of before I even met this man. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I think he had he had uh, done an interview or something. And one of my friends had said he mentioned me in an interview. And he said that I was one of his favorite producers. And uh, I was like, bro, like, what? I think, like, I have to hit him up. Like, I don't, let me just hit him up. And I hit him up and he responded. And he's like, yeah, cool. That worked. Like, I'm glad that we got to connect through using the internet and shit but like you know let's make some music and you know his friendship really started from a song that we made without even knowing each other and it never we never released it but um i had made the beat him and i worked on it and actually when i met him i had a hernia that i had to have surgery on and um i met him i was actually in a wheelchair i was finishing our tour it was horrible Damn. and he was just like so like a, such a sweet guy you know what i mean like yo bro like i hope you feel better and this is the first time me meeting him so i was like bro like i feel like i'm banged up but like 
I'm gonna be right and we're gonna get this music going. And um, I would say maybe like the year after I met him, I had started to come out to LA a lot and um, we started cooking up. And it's actually a couple of tracks that we had did that are gonna be on my new album from when I met him almost five years ago. So you can see kind of that like, I think that when you make something timeless, especially built on real friendship mm-hmm. and harmony, these things don't date, you know, and I don't say shit that's relevant to the point where like sometimes you say something that may capsize your idea because you said something that's so trendy that you can't get out of it. It's I, like, I randomly think of you know, um, Young Jeezy's song, My President is Black, about Barack Obama. <laughs> I feel like that's a very specific example of <laughs> time capsule song. Like, we, yeah, we know we know that. Like, we know what you get that song is made now. You know what I'm saying? Like... <laughs> Sometimes it's a good thing. Sometimes I think when you, especially music that you don't put out, it can hurt you because, you know, artists are our own worst critics and shit. Yeah. Because we'll be like, oh, that's old. That's old. Like, I'm like, this shit that I do with him, that's so old, but it don't matter. Like, it's it's a vibe. It doesn't, it's on a frequency that is timeless. And I think that having longevity is what you really want as an artist. Even if a song doesn't immediately skyrocket, it's because of the, the ability that it, it can actually last longer than just a month or be a hot, have a hot season or a hot summer. You know what I'm saying? We talking about music that we want to last forever. I think that his music does that. And mm-hmm. it just made sense that both of us unified and became like this click, you know, but I started working with him and I worked with um Dom maker from Mount Kimby as well. And nice. we would cook up all the time, bro. Like, and that's before I moved to LA. So once I moved out here, it was game over, bro. It was, it was like constantly creating and, um, sharing ideas he actually made me feel comfortable that i don't have to produce as much as i as i was you know that shit was as much as i love to do it it was very taxing and Mm -hmm. um to try to prove that i could rap and songwrite was another goal of mine and he allowed me to show that uh i'm really a multifaceted artist i'm not a rapper a producer that raps you know what i'm saying yeah i'm the architect i had to really tap into someone who does it all and not just what people see uh, from me you know that's awesome when they can connect with an artist that like wants to see you grow. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's wild. Yeah. I um I think it was like like last month I came across you know the song by him called I think it's C Y M K. Yeah. The um basically I found a song on YouTube last month that Bad Bad Not Good remixed that song. Have you heard the remix of that? Oh no. Nah. Dude, I have to show you that. It's crazy. They turn it into like a crazy. rock song somehow. But it's all like instrumental, you know, because they didn't. They they haven't had any like. They didn't have a feature on it, but features with bad, bad, not good goes crazy all the time. Have you ever like? Do you ever listen to bad, bad, not good or? Yeah, like coming up, doing shows. We had been on the same card a couple times oh, wow. when we were first coming up. Um, I haven't spoke to Alex, the drummer, in a minute, but that was like the person I had the closest relationship with. Dang, because I yeah, think they're well. like how they connect with artists is similar to like a a jungle thing where they can do their own thing mm-hmm. and it could be instrumental or they can have vocalists be on it or they can literally bring on a whole other artist. So it's cool to see like you're like they, I feel like they're very selective. Like those two t- groups, even though they're, they're mm-hmm. kind of different, but I feel like they're very, they're the same with like how selective they are. So that's really cool to see. Like you've worked with jungle, like yeah, jungle is fucking crazy. I'm, I'm still like blown <laughs> away by that shit, but that that's, it's super cool. So I, um, saw that you went to school for graphic design is that correct yeah. mm-hmm. that's wild so is that so were your was your family pretty like supportive of you being 
like in art from the get-go? Because you said you like were producing in school and rapping, and then you went to school for art. So what was that like for yeah. your family? Um, my family, they knew that I loved music. Um, but, um, you know, like most Jamaican households, it's like you need to do something because if that shit don't work out for you, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I wasn't, I wasn't, my pops, my mom's wasn't on some like drop everything and go rap. They was more on some like, well, what are you going to do if that doesn't work out? And music, although my family, my household always playing music, it's like, it seemed even we're talking about, damn, like 20, 25 years ago, bro. Like people were, it wasn't a guarantee at all that your shit could go viral, whatever the fuck. Viral wasn't even a fucking thing. It was almost like people on TV and award shows were figments of imagination. They were like heroes. They were like celebrities. I didn't know anybody who even was a, a, a OG to tell me like the path to take, you know? So when I started to do design, it was really because I was interested in doing it outside of music. And I already knew how to do it, but my parents were just like, you better go to school for something that is beyond music because if music doesn't work out, I don't want you to be broke. I don't want you to be in the street. I don't want you to do this shit. And I was like, all right, well, I already kind of know what I'm doing, but now I want to actually learn in a in a higher education. You feel me? And um, I'm good at that shit, bro. Like I really, I typography, design, animation, that was like what I went to school for. And um nice. I still do it. Um, a lot of the early Flappage Zombies merch we had done, I had done the 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 all the work, all the designs, and I still work now doing um some other shit. Like I just I don't I don't put a ceiling on my creativity. And I think that for me, if I'm stressed out by music, because you know, I don't know if these artists will cap and act like music is not stressful. It is stressful mm-hmm. as fuck. Um I I like to draw. I like to do other shit. I like to I find myself in stints of three or four months doing something really creative in a completely different field, you know? So I'll do acrylic paint, you know, or I'll collect Japanese dubs of my favorite American movies, or I'll do photography on a six by seven camera, or, you know, like I'll just jump and shift to all these different things. I publish a couple books, you know, that's just kind of how I am, bro. I'm just a creative person and, music art were always in tandem with each other the thing that i really liked to do was to be able to help other artists with the vision of um somebody under with the knowledge of how things are supposed to look um creatively um aesthetically something aesthetically pleasing which fonts to use the kerning and all the nerdy shit that makes things people want to pick something up in the store or click it on the internet that's like the things that I like to specialize in. So mm-hmm. I was able to double down and do that for myself. And most artists would have to commission that or outsource that to another person where I'm really behind it, bro. Like I'm I'm so obsessed with that shit. You know, sometimes I have to step back because of my hands is too much in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was hard for me to allow anybody to do it for me. You know, even still to this day, I trust very few people with any of my design stuff because if we don't speak the same language, I can't can't fuck with you, you know what I mean? One of the guys I work with doing all my design, him and I worked together at Guitar Center. Like both of us, wow. he worked in guitars and I worked in pro audio. And when I was working there, he told me I should quit. He's like, yo, you're good at this shit, but like you're good at selling stuff, but like 
you make good music, bro. You should go live your dream. And he would show me some of his sketches at work. I was like, oh, shit. I didn't know he could draw like that. We become the Flabber Zombies, and I go tour, and I would see him. He moved to Canada. I would see him, and um, we would always check back. We would do a couple shirt designs and shit. And now this is, like, one of my close friends. Him and I do design work all the time. And, um, you know, I'm I'm grateful that I could still have people that saw me um, at that, I wouldn't say infancy, part of my development of as, as an artist but it was a very like immature learning phase mm. and um, this guy is somebody i still respect and get to work with him now you know so yeah that's how important the art shit is bro it's not just like a hobby this shit was like my job for a long time i was actually a suit bro i was working a lot of record companies doing this you know so um really i had no idea yeah bro that was like if this shit didn't work out for me that's what would I would I would have been. I would have been making step and repeats for like some record company, you know, like wearing a fucking suit and tie probably at some point. Dang, I also heard that you you were like a sneaker reseller at one point too or something. Yeah, <laughs> that was crazy, bro. Yeah. Me and my friend actually we used to paint shoes too, but that was like a very short lived thing. But yeah, I would always buy somewhat worse condition shoes and bring them re and restore them mm -hmm. and i knew that they were rare so i would fix them and resell them back on ebay i actually have an ebay plaque in my in my parents house for how long i've been on ebay i think i've been on ebay since i was fuck i forget it's a plaque for like bro it's been like <laughs> 20 <laughs> years or something like that damn <laughs> oh shit yeah that's wild do you uh i think it's everywhere do you know what offer up is I've heard that. Is that like, is that like, uh, it's like a Depop or some shit? It's, yeah, it's kind of like Facebook Marketplace, I think. Mm -hmm. So like the offer up, I had no idea, but offer up is like from Washington, and like the the owner was just like in the the um, studio here the other day for like I was producing a podcast for him, and my friend is a like he's a huge sneaker reseller, and he just made this um, company called Sneaker, I think it's consign and what mm. it does he brings it to like um sneaker stores that aren't as big as like flight club or whatever where they don't have like an integrated system where because mm -hmm. a lot of these like um thrift shops or sneaker stores like a lot of the stuff is done like manually and they have to like, yeah. write everything out and things get lost and like the refund process is crazy because of all the paperwork and then he just came out with this software that all these different um, stores are starting to utilize, which is super cool. So it was cool to see that um, you are someone who has been into like sneaker reselling. I personally can't resell sneakers for shit. Like I can find good deals. Like yeah. I have like Wave Runners and Jordans and everything like that. But like I can, like today, like right before this even, I um I had a client and then I went to this random apartment complex to like try to buy these like fake plants because this year actually you're the, actually the last guest in this studio i'm opening my own studio and um, oh sick Congrats yeah thank that. you thank you um it's got exposed brick and everything it's super cool but the downside is is there are windows but it's like indirect light so i can't get any actual uh... plants so to, right before this i went to some like really like it was a pretty crusty apartment complex and this lady was going to sell me these like eight fake no three fake plants for eight dollars and i get there and they're like this big 
in like styrofoam <laughs> cups and i was like what the fuck i can't I, i'm not buying this shit that's not gonna help the vibe of the studio at all <laughs> yeah not at all but like i could at least go and find because that would that if i was into shitty fake plants and styrofoam cups eight dollars would have been a steal but i'm not i'm not into that shitty of quality but like i'm really good at finding deals but i can't i can't sell shoes i'd probably have a hard time if i bought brand new whatever like if I know we're not supposed to really talk about Kanye, but like if if I bought like some new Yeezys, right, and I was, I I probably would lose two hundred dollars, and someone would get them for like fifty bucks somehow. Like that's how bad I am at selling, reselling things. It's stocks, literally. That's why StockX was actually a pretty genius uh, creation because it's stocks. It goes with like you said, yay or whatever. Like mm-hmm. depending on what's happening in the person's life, you know, you got Sean Wilderspoon is is more popular right now his sneakers will be yeah and it's just actually was cleaning out my storage unit in new york and i found a pair of um the kanye babes which oh, i've seen those sell for four or five thousand dollars i would have to repair them because they're kind of beat up but yeah they're i've i was really into it like me and meech actually worked at foot locker so um we worked there with three of our friends from where we actually lived on the same block. All Damn. of us it was pretty nuts. He was the store manager. So we all, <laughs> we all working at the same time and shit. So yeah. Damn. It seems like community and like collaboration is like huge in your life. That's, that's pretty sick. I always was with the homies, bro. Like, you, you know, I think, um, I don't know if I call myself the architect, you know what I mean? Like I had to have, some type of foundation and, and building and bringing people together. Even if I was just a part of a team, I was always okay with what I, I, I was. And I just wanted to wait till I have my own and I'm, I'm okay with contributing in a small way or in a big way mm-hmm. to help someone else. So I can eventually learn and, and do for myself. You know, that's like my ultimate goal. For sure. And I also saw in like a couple of interviews, you, you've mentioned Keith Haring. Like what is your, what is, what is your background about enjoying Keith Haring artwork? Man, um, I think that there's, especially because being from New York, always seeing his art as a kid, um, there's something about, and this is subjective, right? Because art Mm -hmm. is, but it's something, and I even feel that about my own artwork. There's something about artwork that is like, you feel like you can do it too. There's something special about that. And so to me, it's more special. Um, than something that seems in un, like impossible or unattainable. Like mm. if I see like the Sistine Chapel or like these huge murals, like, come on, man, I can't do that shit. Like, <laughs> come on. I'm, these guys dedicate their whole lives to the perfect brushstroke and shit. When I would see his shit, it would be like, it's genius. It's literally like this fucking hand with like, italicize things like around them or like a word or an expression like that was just like oh i could do that people say i have cool handwriting i could write a word and highlight it right let me find something that's important to me or figure a dog you would draw dogs a lot you would draw Mm -hmm. guys a lot you know like human people or people celebrating and people in togetherness and harmony like to me his his art really represented new york city you know, and when I would see it, I'd see it in the subway. I'd see shit all the time. I'm just like, bro, like him and Basquiat were really like two artists that it always seemed like you could do it. And it's so funny that people devalue art that way. They'll say, mm-hmm. that's some easy shit. It might, 
say Jackson Pollock or another artist is just like that's just a splatter of paint. And it's like, so you do that, you know? Yeah. And 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 the thing is, it's like regardless of whatever you think about somebody's art, the amount of time they put into it gives them the freedom to sell for whatever they want. If you put in fifty thousand hours into painting and you don't like this person's painting, it doesn't matter. Like you think that anybody that put that much time into something is really that bad at it? Like mm-hmm. you can't judge it because it's art, it's subjective. So you can say Picasso or Kandinsky or whatever, Rembrandt, these are all like different artists, but what they do have in common is the copious amounts of time they put into being the best. And um, I think that all geniuses really do that unapologetically. They don't think about, they don't have a timer bait like, I'm going to work on painting for 45 minutes today. You may say that, and then you work on that shit for seven hours. You know how many times I've worked on something, whether it's music or art, and I think that I'm done, but I'm not. And it's like a sculpture. It's a a sculpture that you can't, it's incessant. And when you love something, you unapologetically do it. You know, Keith Haring's work to me was always something that was like, I could do that. And then you go and try to do it and it's just not the same. And you actually realize that this person has thought about this way more than you have. And if you want to be that good, you need to put the time in too, you know, and art to me, that's the difference, you know? And I think that music is the same art form. It's like, oh, I can make beats like him. So turn on your beat machine and do it then. And mm-hmm. when you actually sit in front of this instrument, you're like, holy shit, like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. And then at the same time, all you do is imitating. And I think that um, to be innovative means that you may be inspired by 50 different people to make the thing that you do, but whatever it is that you make should be, it should reside with originality. It should be something that only you can create. So when I think of Keith Haring in a long way, it's just like, bro, if you could say I'm a fake ass Keith Haring artist and I'll be like, cool. Cause he inspired <laughs> me. Like, that's cool. But to me, there is no Keith Haring doesn't have a fake ass Keith Haring. He, he's what he is. Yeah. And he was, to me, one of the most prolific artists um, because of his understanding of how to make something even sad have optimism. And he was speaking about a lot of um, positivity that the world needed, you know, um, and his his stuff is still revered today because of that. I love that answer. He's like, he's definitely my favorite artist. Did you see, um, I think it was last week, they just discovered some more works by him on like those nah. he he was one of the first people to start adopting um like drawing on pcs so he, there's yeah. all these like undiscovered Crazy. work that was on these like computers that they're about to like sell on. i think they know they're turning them into nfts which has pros and cons <laughs> to that i don't know if keith herring was would be into NFTs. i don't think he'd be into that i don't know him but but that is so insane he was like he was drawing on p- computers like in the 80s that shit is insane. It's nuts. And it's nuts. Um, I have this like it won't show up on camera. It's the camera's too far away. But I, when I was eighteen, um, I for, I went through this phase where I forgot Keith Haring's name somehow, even though he was like my favorite artist. I was trying to explain to people um, what his artwork was because I was like, he's my favorite artist, and you know he has those people and their hands are like this, and they're different colors. And I decided to tell this tattoo artist that, and they had no idea what the fuck I was talking like, about. What do you want me to draw, bro? Like, what? So I ended up with these fucking. I have like the worst impression of like a Keith Haring picture on my shoulder, and it's just like uh... three people that look like gingerbread men holding hands, <laughs> and they're all different colors. And I like, you know, Keith Haring. 
<laughs> so my goal is to eventually yes. get that covered or just get a different Keith Haring picture somewhere else that's actually at least you know his name now to like get the right (laughs) right photo the right images it's it's so the the tattoo is terrible it's but it's like one of those like love hate tattoos at this point but um my favorite do you know anything about his um artwork andy mouse Mm -mm. Ooh, so i just bought um just like the prints from it but andy mouse is keith heron's creation of mickey mouse mixed with andy warhol because they were like pretty close. And it's like, it's if I was going to get a Keith Aaron tattoo to either cover the, the shitty one I have, or I can't even call, I can't even say that's a Keith Aaron tattoo, <laughs> to have the cover of the gingerbread men I have on my shoulder, <laughs> um, I would definitely get, you should look up Andy Mouse though, but it was basically like um, four pieces that he drew, and it's like a yeah. collection. And they, it's like, because I'm a huge like Mickey Mouse guy. I have like Mickey Mouse on my, I don't know if you could see this, but oh, I have like shit, Mickey yeah. Mouse on my. And on my um, arm, and then I have in my new studio, like I have multiple rooms. So one of them is for like when clients want to come in and record their own show, and then I have my own podcast studio, Nast Podcast, and um, it's kind of like a man cave at this point. It's like all these like different like Mickey <laughs> Mouse stuff and shit, and then like the Andy Mouse is like right front and center. Sick. But yeah, that's super cool to actually hear you because I feel like you you talk about him all the time on interviews, but I haven't really seen anyone actually ask you what your fascination with him was. So yeah, I don't think I've ever been asked that to be honest. Damn, yeah. that's I love wild. Picasso a lot too. Picasso is my is the other one. Just the cubism and um hundred percent. Just his understanding of how to you know geometric shapes representing people mm-hmm. is the most fucking wild thing because like the human brain i think i was reading this thing about the psyche of the human brain that we create um we're so we're so present of ourselves as human beings we know especially within 3d and like what steve jobs is doing with pixar like mm-hmm. um the human is so present of what humans look like that we associate anything that has structure. We look for human qualities, which mm-hmm. is why when you look at clouds, you say like, oh, that looks like a face or that looks like an apple or whatever the fuck it is. Or you see like a tree trunk and you see a face. Mm-hmm. So like that to me is mad and interesting because like this isn't a face. This is a, this is not even a circle whose fucking head is shaped like a triangle. Like, <laughs> no one so it's like how do we still associate it with humans and even animals are not shaped like that so where does this come from and it just it's weird and i like that weird shit because it's just like how does the brain how did you formulate that and why do you still recognize that as lips if it's not shaped like one Mm -hmm. or if it's a diamond like like how do you know it's this fascinating shit and he was severely depressed and still um created through music and I think that most artists have been through some form of depression. Most people have, but yeah. artists, um, I think, are more in tune with their emotions so much that they become so like, or like bipolar in a way. Like we'll fall out of love and um, go through like this like really judgmental period of like if you're good at what you do, even though you know you are. It's just like this weird, incessant like thing that we we do ourselves, and we kind of destruct ourselves in that way. And he painted; he's in a blue period, you know. And he's mm. like all these paintings he did based on how we really felt and how much artists we're dying for you to create through your pain. And we say, yo, like 
we want to hear or we want to see you. And they say, I'm too sad to make music or I'm too sad to paint. This guy was like, fuck that. Like, I feel horrible, but I'm going to make sure that people can still see how I was feeling. And, you you know, you can be in 2023 and see stuff that he made during the blue period and be like, damn, this dude, thank God he did that. Thank God he didn't say he was too sad to pick up that brush because it, it's a testament of will. And um, it's inspiring, man, because, you know, we all don't feel good all the time, but that doesn't mean you should stop creating. Mm -hmm. As you like further away through the music industry, do you feel like you see artists that are obsessed with different forms of art or do you feel like that's something that gets more unique with you? Hmm. That's a good question. I respectfully, I think that people just want to seem deep. I don't know what the fuck is the fascination with that. Some, not everybody has to be so deep, you know, you could be into what you're into, you know, but I think that the desire, it's almost like when I first started to make music, bro, it was like a thing to be like, I'm a rapper, producer, photographer, poet. You're like, (laughs) How good are you at all that shit? If you yeah. have like nine things in your bio, bro, like pick one of those things and master it and then move on. So for a while, I didn't even want to tell anybody that I made art because like it just seemed like too, even though I'm dead ass about it, I just put a lot of time into it, you know? It was like I had shame because it was embarrassing to say that I liked all these things and I would call myself that. And then when you meet somebody who really just dedicates their time to that, you pale in comparison, man. Nowadays, it's like people obsessed with seeming so deep and the world is so much smarter because the internet is so fast. Um, We have the answers to everything, but we have no experience. You know, you don't have the experience because you didn't put the time in. You just have the answer because the internet is the fastest it's ever been. So like anything that you want to research, you can find it out. You know, you can top in, what are the top 10 best vacuums? It's like, yo, like that's what people want to know. There's some guy that puts his 10 best that's on YouTube and yeah. If you watch shit like that all day, it will give you facts based on somebody else's opinion, but that will never supersede a real experience. And I think that art, the desire, you know, like even how like uh, like a West Side Gun, I'm a big fan of him, how he, he loves like Sotheby's and like he loves fucking like referencing dope artists and painters Mm -hmm. and shit like that shit to me is like if you're really a fan of that that's a really dope thing to add to your to your style or say kanye or whoever but like it's kind of a weird time where people want everything so to be unsatisfied with with the art that you have which is like music is right in front of your face is there every day but yet you still want more from the artists that you're listening to you want it faster, you know, you want better quality, Yeah. You know? And and I've always said this, if the first time you ever doing something, however old you are, is however long it took for you to do it the first time. And mm. then every time after that, the intervals are smaller because you've already done it. And now people want it to be better, but you want less time to accomplish it. It's the most fucked up reality of an artist. You know, it's like, well, I want a better album than the first one. It took me, 80 years to make the first one. I'm 80 <laughs> years old. I made my first jazz album. Now you want a better one next month? It's kind of fucked up to ask for, but that's when we love something, that's how our attachment is to it. And um, art is funny like that. It's, it's It will always be that way too, I feel, um, because especially how fast the internet is and information is exchanged so quickly, you know? Damn, dude, I love your thought your thought process and things. That's, that's wild. Did you uh, Have you seen the newest update on Google where... 
it like gives you like a generated answer before it shows you the search engine results. Oh no, that's crazy! What the fuck? Yeah, it's like because you know about like Chat GPT, so it's basically sure. it's basically like Chat GPT, but it's like Google's version now. So like, if you tr- it's like a setting you have to turn on, but like if you're like um, top restaurants near me or whatever, Google will give you its idea of the top restaurants, and then below. It'll show you like the normal web pages and stuff. It's kind of wild. So the why why like internet's changing like crazy. <laughs> eh, you know, look, AI. People got to get with it. I think it's the new thing. It's fucking impossible to do. But like, let's just say like, even when I first started to code, right? When I had to code, this is something, I'm gonna take you to some super nerdy shit, bro. Before the internet was, because you're young enough for you not to remember this. I know you won't. It's okay. When I first, when you first used to make websites, bro, you had to open notepad and then create HTML text. You have to write HTML and do a heading, a uh, middle, you know, and an ending, a footer. You have to create all of that. And then when you save it, you save it as an HTML file. And when you open it, it'll turn from a notepad file to a website page. And then you click Damn. it and then you start to build your website. That's how websites were first made bro before there was any programming to help you do that there was no dreamweaver dreamweaver all that stuff is not ai but it's implementation of coding so all somebody did was take that function and create something to help you do it faster that's Mm -hmm. all ai really is anyway it's just like it's here here's the answer let me get to it quicker that's all it is it's just that when people rely on it to do creative shit that's the part of it that it's like that doesn't sit well with me functions are not so annoying you know even i'll do automation in photoshop or like any program that you have to physically click and save or resize you can create an automated function a batch function in photoshop so that the computer does it for you that's Mm -hmm. a form of ai as well you know so like there's things that we've seen before but we've advanced to the shit to the point where this shit is like people think it's gonna like take people's jobs away in the creative market i don't think so but maybe i'm just Fuck that. I don't want no creative. I don't want no AI music. I don't care what anybody says. You can use it to inspire you, but that will never be better than Eric the Architect. I don't give a fuck how much rhymes or shit it pulls out for you. The human engagement interaction will always be better than a computer. Like, that's not going to give you what you want. You know, I don't want to e-date a girl. That's weird. Like, you want (laughs) to actually be with her. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's not. I'm not threatened by that. Some people are so shocked and scared that that's going to like kill everybody's jobs, but I think we're good. Like either get with it or just like let it let it let it let it ride. I don't think to hate on it is really smart, you Yeah. Know? I have some some of my friends are working a lot with AI and have like formed their own companies and the best thing they say is like to look at it more as a creative tool than something that's just going to take over your own life or career. So that's Yeah, it's a, it's a tool. It's like it's a seasoning. It's not the whole meal you know and sure. can it be the whole meal maybe for some but until then we should just use it and be friends with it don't be scared like the whole thing with people replacing people's music and putting the voice shit i don't even know if that's a trend anymore but it was a little thing it doesn't seem like maybe i'm just not tapped in but like it was funny to hear drake rap on this beat that he never rapped on or whatever but mm-hmm. like it seemed like that shit is done already like people were so obsessed with it it doesn't seem like people are if the the funniest ones were like the SpongeBob shit and stuff yes. like that. That shit is funny. Like SpongeBob making like a fifty cent song type. Yeah, that shit was Yeah, like that shit is funny. 
but like, <laughs> is that really gonna be better than the real sponge? No, it's not. Like, you know, <laughs> come on. A hundred percent. So my final question for you is: so if you guys are all, or at least you, are not living in in New York anymore, does that mean Flatbush Zombies is more of a a, a thought? A mindset versus actually you guys living in the like of course you'll still make music mm, as a group but i like that you're not living in flatbush now nah i haven't in a long time bro it's been it's been over 10 years that i've yeah. moved out of my parents house you know so i would say that I, I that's a good way to describe it i would say that now living somewhere else i actually feel especially being here all the time, I actually feel more connected to New York than I ever have, bro. Because now you have to actually reach out to your family and your friends more often to see, catch the vibes. Like, what's really going on? Like, mm-hmm. what what people really doing? And when I go back, I go to all my favorite spots, my Jamaican spots. I go to go check my people and shit. Try to go to my favorite Trinidadian spot. I want some roti. I want some chana. I want I want to be back where I'm at. And I think that I could appreciate it more now that I'm not there every day. You know, when I was there, I think I was jaded. You know, um, it is a mindset you take with you because you never lose the origin story. You can't fight it. It's part of who you are. And I think that no matter where I am in the world, I'm always going to be from Flatbush, bro. New York has a certain paranoia that's instilled in us. We can't help talking loud. We can't help clapping with our hands and shit. We can't. Certain New York tropes that will never go away. It's just, it makes... You know, it makes guys like Larry David, bro. Like, it's the birthplace <laughs> of Michael Jordan. You know what I'm saying? Like, and then when you centralize Flatbush in itself, Flatbush is still, I, as a kid, I, I would thought I was joking, but like, I, it's a joke, but it's also like, my, Flatbush is so Caribbean that I really thought there was no difference between Flatbush and Jamaica. Mm. You know, like when I actually went to Jamaica as a kid, I was like, this reminds me of my hood. Like, Obviously, there's different economic change, but we talk about people and music and vibes and clothes. It was the same shit, bro. Like, damn, the shit you hear and see every day is literally what I have grew up on. And Flatbush to me is like, it's like no other neighborhood I've ever been to. It's like a, even though it's changed a lot from gentrification, to say that I'm a Flatbush zombie or to say that I'm from Flatbush is a certain time period that I can remember and I could talk about it. I don't care if I'm 90 years old. I still can remember those moments of growing up in the hood, like through the crack crack epidemic, through HIV and AIDS, you know what I'm saying? Through all the gun violence that was happening, through all the wars and gangs and shit. Like that shit in the 90s made some of the craziest music and content you will ever see. And not just because mm-hmm. that's what era I was raised in. You know, you had so many fucking amazing things that had come from the hood that like, we curated and although it was a tumultuous time, it put us in a mindset of like, we can get out of this and it was better days ahead. It reminds me a lot of London too, you know, New York city, people sing these songs to get out of the hood and much like London where it's rainy and foggy, people made all this great music because of the fact that they wanted to escape some of that darkness they saw every day being overcast for months and months raining all the time. Mm. I always felt attached to London because of those things we had in common and there's no, wonder I become friends with, you know, Georgia Smith or James or, or, you know, far, or, you know, all my homies are that we grew up, we all have a similar story because of our neighborhood. So yeah, like it is a mindset. It is something that you take with you. If I'm in LA, I'm not LA zombie. You know what I mean? I'm still (laughs) zombie. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 
100%. And my final question, I ask all the guests, uh, what is some advice you have for up-and-coming artists, creators, and influencers? Bro, for up-and-coming artists, it's a, it's a tough time to be yourself because we're so, we already have seen and witnessed things that have worked. And it's easy to follow something that's worked and to follow your own path. But I guarantee you, you'll be, even if it's a slower tread, a slower race, a slower pace, that you'll get to where you're going to be. Um, and you'll be proud of yourself to know you can compromise um, or change yourself to fit in. You know, it's okay to not fit in. Some of the best advice I've ever gotten from somebody was tell me that it's okay to not, um, to not follow the herd and, you know, um, it'll take you a lot further. And when you get there, you'll actually be able to say you did it your way. You don't have to rely on somebody else to say that, well, you've got it, but you're lonely, you know? So that, that it may be a long trek, but I guarantee you, you know, you'll get there and you'll be smiling still, you know, you still see a reflection in the mirror of who you really are, not, uh, not a gimmick, you know? So, um, it's hard, but don't give up. Hell yeah. Well, thank you for taking time to do this, man. This has been the NAS podcast with Eric the Architect. And yeah. we did it.